You're listening to Preaching Source, a ministry of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary's School of Preaching. I'm your host, Professor Barry McCarty. Our guest on Preaching Source today is Dr. Shane Pruitt, the Director of Evangelism for the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention. He and his wife, Casey, uh, live in Rockwall, Texas with their five children. Uh, He's been in ministry for almost two decades as a church planner, a lead pastor, associate pastor, student pastor. Uh, But uh, we're uh, talking to him today because of his involvement in evangelism. So, Shane, uh, welcome to Preaching Source. So great to be here. Thank you. Humble and honored. Mm. Shane, uh, you are, uh, you've been involved in evangelism, but you're also a student of it and a leader of it uh, and assisting churches in evangelism. What, in your view, what are the major uh, contributors to the decline of evangelism in Southern Baptist life? Yeah, great question, Dr. McCarty. I feel like we could probably spend our entire time just talking about this. Um, I believe there's multiple reasons why. I think one of the major reasons why of the decline in evangelism or the decline in baptisms that we hear so much about is the change in the corporate worship service environment. Um, One of my favorite statements to use is this, is organized corporate evangelism always leads to organic personal evangelism. And what I mean by that is this, is we always talk about we want our people sharing the gospel in, in their workplaces, in their schools, in their neighborhoods, but we don't really train them to do that. And one of the best training grounds is when people see evangelism take place in their corporate worship services. They hear their pastor preach the gospel every Sunday. They hear their pastor um, be able to call people to respond, and that's a great opportunity to do that. And when we remove that from the corporate worship service and we don't train our people how to share their faith, then we just expect them to to gain that by osmosis. Uh, I think another um, reason why is if you think about it over the, the changing of, of our worship services over the last several decades is we just have less opportunities to do it. And what I mean by this is the more times you shoot at the target, the better chance you have to hit it. And we've, you know, if you think about it, and I understand the reasons why, uh, we remove Sunday night services, we remove Wednesday night services. You know, I'm not trying to go back to the quote-unquote good old days, but I remember in the church I got saved in, uh, Dr. McCarty, we had Sunday morning services, we had Sunday night services, we had Wednesday night services, and the gospel was preached at them all. A response time was given at every single one of them. And so I think when we remove those, we also remove more opportunities. Uh, we've done, uh, many of us have done away with revival services and, and intentionality of bringing the lost. Um, and so I, I understand the biblical models. We want to train our people up to be missionaries in their context. Um, but the reality and the practical side of it, the application side of it, is the evangelism that most of our church members do is invite their lost friends to church. So when they do that and we don't give them an opportunity to have their lost friends hear the gospel and respond to the gospel, I think we're cutting our legs out from under us. Mm. Uh, Shane, our, our friend uh, Tom Rayner has noted that uh, the, these changes you've talked about, uh, yes, c- culture changes, <coughs> people's schedules change, uh, the way we organize church life change, and then in a, in a lot of those changes, uh, the old formal uh, structured ways of, of teaching evangelism and doing evangelism, they, they've been done away with. Tom Rayner noted that, yes, that's happened, but churches haven't replaced them with anything. 
So uh, for uh, the pastors listening to us who are concerned about this, what, uh, what strategies or principles would you commend to pastors to say, okay, what, what do we turn to? How, how do we get this job done? Yeah, I agree doc, uh, wholeheartedly with our friend Tom Rayner in that is we've done away with things. We've called certain things old or dated. Um, you know, maybe even when we see the altar call, we've seen it abused. And so what many of us young leaders have done is we've kind of thrown out the proverbial baby with the bathwater. But what are we replacing it with? Those are great questions. You know, we, and especially in Southern Baptist life, we have all the tools of evangelism we could ever need. You know, we have, uh, we partner with One Conversation and Can We Talk. So we have the Can We Talk trainings. And then there's Three Circles, and then there's Romans Road, then there's One Verse Evangelism, something that we've created as the One Cross app. So we have the tools, but where I think we've, where we're lacking is the heart behind the tools. And what I mean by that is, how do we really go after the heart of our people? Meaning this is, have you ever noticed, we don't have to be trained to talk about what we're excited about. You know, football season started. Everybody was talking about football season. Uh, did you see this? What, you know, how's this team going to do? Did you see that game last night? We naturally, organically talk about what we're excited about. No one has to take a training to talk about football. No one has to have a tool uh, to draw circles to talk about football. We naturally talk about what we're excited about. So we must, I think we even have to go to the root of the problem. Many times we're good at chopping at the fruit, but if we go to the root of the problem, is why aren't we talking about Jesus? Why aren't we sharing the gospel? Well, maybe we're just not excited about him ourselves, and we got to return back to, I think, a, a revival, a movement of God to where we're excited about Jesus ourselves. Um, and then once again, be strategic with our people. Train them to share the gospel. Dr. McCarty, I think you and I would agree. We'd probably be mortified as pastors if we sat down a hundred of our people and polled them and say, hey, would you share the gospel with me? And what we would hear them say, we'd probably be mortified about because they may have elements of the gospel or pieces of the gospel, um, but not the whole gospel. And I think it's because as pastors and preachers, we've stopped sharing the gospel Sunday in and Sunday out. And if they hear that week after week after week, they'll start picking that up in their language as well. Yeah. You know, when I've, I'm 65 now, when I was a young man, a, a teenagers, when God first began to call me to, to ministry, and, and that was preceded by a time when I'd, I, I just felt a, a strong call uh, to, to begin to learn to share my faith. And mm. boy, I, I wish that I had had then some of the resources that are available today, and you've mentioned several good ones. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, we have incredible resources. We have incredible strategies, and, we, and that's my job, you know, with this, the convention is to share those resources, to share those strategies, to go through trainings. Um, so we have them, it's, but it's just like tools in our tool shed. Uh, my dad is a salt-of-the-earth type guy that can fix anything, and I can't fix anything. But, so every year during Christmas, he'll buy me a lot of tools. So in my garage, I have thousands <laughs> of dollars worth of tools, but they just sit there. And I think it's the same, time, same thing sometimes our Southern Baptist life is we have a lot of CP dollars tied up in tools. We just don't use them, you know. That's a great analogy. All right, uh, we've, we've heard... Uh, 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 people in Southern Baptist life who have used uh, large evangelistic events, big events. Uh, we've heard people effectively using personal evangelism. Uh, and then there, there uh, a lot of people say, well, you know, I, I do most of my personal evangelism through discipleship. It's all one process. How, how do these things work together 
in an effective evangelism strategy? Yeah, yeah. Great question. I think one of the the things that we can do to, to kind of harm ourselves is when we separate evangelism, discipleship, and missions into three categories. I think if you look at the Missio Dei, the mission of God, it's all the same thing. Um, the doorway into discipleship is through evangelism. The reason we do evangelism and discipleship is because God has called us to the Great Commission. So it's all the same thing. Now, I think what we've done, um, especially in Southern Baptist life, is we've really separated evangelism and discipleship. So I know I'll have conversations with leaders and pastors all the time that says, you know, we're just going to focus on discipleship at the negation of evangelism. And one of the things that I, I, I want to humbly, kindly say is that any place that we say we're discipling, but the baptism waters aren't stirring, I would say discipleship is not taking place because part of the discipleship process is training your people how to share their faith. Once again, going back to corporate organized events where lost people are being invited, I think once again, that's helping your people in discipleship because inviting your lost friend to come hear about the gospel is a part of your journey. And once again, I'll go back to the statement is organized corporate evangelism always leads to organic personal evangelism. It's just like, uh, you know, our friends that always say, you know, well, I don't really, um, you know, preach the gospel right away or share the gospel right away. I like to do relational evangelism. Well, all evangelism is relational because we care about their soul. But my fear is sometimes I think under the umbrella of relational evangelism is we're just friending people all the way to hell. If we're just their friends and we never pull the the trigger to share the gospel, then we're just, we've just made a friend and we've friended them all the way to hell. And oh, that, that that's not being a good friend. Oh, that's that, really not being a good that friend. That stings to hear you say that, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm afraid you're right. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, and then once again, missions is a form of discipleship. You know, I, I just got back Tuesday from Africa. We were in the Congo, we were in uh, Rwanda and Uganda, and four of us pastors went, leaders, and then we brought six guys with us. And even though it was a mission trip, for those six guys and us four leaders, that was a discipleship trip because we come back, we'll never be the same again, you know. Um, So it's all the same to me. Evangelism, missions, discipleship is all the same. It's just different facets of the same beautiful diamond. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Across Texas, our state has seen a a growing uh, Hispanic population, and that's true in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. But also, uh, I mean, in my own neighborhood in North Arlington, I mean, I have neighbors who are Persians, who are Chinese, who are Indians, who are from Africa. The middle. I mean, it's it's one of the most diverse, maybe the most diverse community I've ever lived in uh, is DFW. What, how, how can pastors leverage that uh, fact of the nations coming to us in, in cross-cultural evangelism? Yeah, absolutely. When you think about our mission field, Texas, you think 28 million people over 400 people groups, the Lord has brought the Great Commission to our neighborhoods. Like you said, Dr. McCarty, you can, you can do cross-cultural evangelism, you can do international missions by simply walking across the street. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think we have to do a self-evaluation as the local church to say, if I really want to reach the nations that are around me, do I really want to do that? And what I mean by that is we got to go back to the heart of our evangelism. Do we really want to do that? Do I re- do I, am I just simply going across the street so that they would repeat a prayer after me? 
or do I want to mobilize and make disciples, meaning this, what if I reach a guy that doesn't look like me and bring him into my church and start discipling him? Is there a, is there a way for him to serve in my church? Is there leadership positions available for him in my church? And what I mean by that is in our role with the state convention, and it's such a privilege to do this, is we see it all the time, especially in the metropolitan areas, is you maybe have a, let's just call it as maybe an older, uh, primarily Caucasian church that has a changing neighborhood around them. And they say, well, we want to reach people in our neighborhood. And often you got to kind of dig through that because we're saying, okay, do you just want to reach people so that... Uh, you can say you're reaching them or that they'll come sit in your pews, they'll start giving, or do you really want to reach them in a sense where you reach them with the gospel, you're making disciples, and then there's a way for these people that don't look like you to serve in your church? Is there leadership positions available for them? If they have gifts and talents, are they able to get on the stage and, and to exercise those gifts and talents? So there, once again, there's all kind of tools. Uh, Bruno Molina is on my team, and he has incredible tools. He, he's he oversees uh, our personal evangelism for interfaith evangelism and, and people group evangelism. So once again, the One Cross app is an awesome tool with 64 different languages of three minutes or less videos where people are sharing the gospel, sharing their testimony, inviting people to receive. And so there's, all, once again, all kind of tools to do evangelism. Um, but do we really want to reach people to make them a part of the community of God, the family of God, and be able to serve in our local churches? I think that's a question that we really have to ask and self-evaluate, too. Yeah, Shane, we've, we've touched on it uh, in a couple of places in our conversation, but ha- let, let's get explicit here as we wrap up. What, what's the, uh, the Southern Baptist uh, of Texas Convention doing to assist pastors in leading their churches. In yeah, yeah, great. So we have we have partnered with One Conversation and Can We Talk. So we this year we put on six one-day trainings spread across the state, and that's primarily geared towards pastors, church staff, leaders in the church to uh, teach them, train them how to share their faith, uh, the reasons why, and so that they'll go back and train their own people. Moving forward next year, we will continue that partnership with One Conversation, but as uh, I'm leading my team, that we'll also be doing one-day evangelism trainings for pastors, primarily to help pastors go back and train their people. Also, we provide a, a toolbox approach, and so, you know, I related to tools while I go, but we provide a toolbox approach, meaning this is all the tools out there, we have been trained in them, we know how to train, and so we provide that service to the church. So if a pastor says, you know what, I think three circles would work in our church, we're able to provide that training for his church and, and the resources. Maybe another pastor comes and says, you know what, I think one verse evangelism would work better for us. We're able to provide that as well. And then um, I would regret not saying this is the last Monday and Tuesday of every February is our big Empower Conference. And what I've uh, led our Empower Conference to do is for the main stage would be more inspirational of the heart behind evangelism. And then we're going to do two days of breakouts starting next year. And those breakouts are the equipping, the empowering side of the application of how to do evangelism in your context. So that will be February 25th, 26th of 2019 at the Irving Convention Center. Uh, this past February, we had over 2,800 leaders and um, ministry leaders, pastors there, and it was awesome. I can't wait for next year. And so those are just a few things we're doing uh, in the middle of a bunch more. <laughs> uh, do, do you uh, let pastors cross state lines and, and come to the Absolutely. <laughs> it is open for everyone. Absolutely. And we do that, especially our kind of neighboring states. They, they come in. 
No. And I'll, I'll bet, uh, I know you would be, you would just love to help a Texas church or a Texas pastor, but I, I bet if some of our other uh, pastors from other states or associations uh, wanted to chat with you, you'd love to do that too. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And all of our resources, even the Empower Conference, we bring in all the personalities we bring in is supported by the cooperative program, so it's at no cost to the pastor. So that's what we get to say. We say it's not free because it's supported by a cooperative program, but it's no cost to you. So if you don't like it, we'll give you your money back. Wow. <laughs> I tell you, I, I want to say to our pastors, if something's not happening in evangelism uh, in your church, it's not because there aren't a lot of folks like Shane who are trying to, to help you out there. Sure. Well, let me mention before we go that uh, Shane has recently completed a book entitled Nine Common Lies Christians Believe and Why God's Truth is Infinitely Better. It's due to be released in February. Who's your publisher for that? Yes, Waterbrook Multimonoma. Okay. Yeah, who is uh, under the umbrella of Penguin Random House. Okay. Well, uh, watch for Shane Pruitt's book to come out in February. And uh, he's been our guest today, Shane Pruitt, the Director of Evangelism for the SBTC uh, our Texas Baptist Convention. And uh, Shane, thank you so much for being with us on Preaching Source. Thank you so much, Dr. McCarty. What an honor and privilege.